You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Gators Breakdown, the Gators Fan Podcast, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SCC. And joining me for this episode, our early signing period review of uh, the Gators' new signees is Will Salmon from The Athletic. Will, it's always a uh, crazy time keeping up with everything that goes on with uh, signing day. Um, what, third year now for the early signing day period? And we're just kind of now getting into a groove of, uh, of what to expect in December. Definitely, man. It kind of feels like this is the day, right? Yep. It took a couple of years. I, I kind of got the vibe like last year it was getting to be that way because it was no longer all that new. But now at this point, I think people have really started to just like understand that December is when – pretty much everybody signs and this is when your class really starts to take shape and become official. Yeah, absolutely. So plenty, plenty to talk about here, of course, with uh, the Gators uh, getting their signees in today. We'll get straight to it. But before we do, remember, you can find Gators Breakdown on news4jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. You'll find all the past episodes there as well as news for Jack's coverage of the Gators and more college football as well. Catch the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube. So many ways to get Gators Breakdown and follow us on Twitter uh, and Facebook at Gators Breakdown. So we'll use the uh, 24-7 sports composite here as we talk about uh, where these Gators are. And and the Gators rank eight uh, on the 24-7 sports composite. We'll only good for sixth in the SEC. That's just how it works uh, in this conference here uh, behind Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Texas A&M, and Auburn. Look, two of those teams you play every season, uh, and, we play, and we'll be playing one of those West teams more than likely in the SEC championship game. Uh, it's different recruiting <laughs> in this conference. So, you know, with 24 signees uh, and commits, the Gators have a player average of 90.04 uh, and part of that uh, 24 are unsigned prospects, wide receiver Leonard Manuel, uh, athlete Mark Britt, and offensive lineman uh, Joven Navier. Uh, so, Will, you know, th- th- this class is, is headlined by some studs on the defensive side of the ball, uh, Jervin Dexter and Derek Wingo. And then uh, you brought in a tailor-made quarterback in Anthony Richardson. 
some big time additions into the trenches. Uh, we came into today uh, with a good start based on you know, commitments that were already there for the Gators. And you know, those guys stayed with their pledges. Uh, so credit to Dan Mullen uh, for that part of it. You know, and we'll get into it. There were some misses uh, out there today. But, you know, Florida had a great base to start with and, and players that should contribute in big ways for this team. It did. They had a handful of early enrollees, which I'm sure we'll go through. And a bunch of those guys profile as players capable of making some sort of an early impact. I'm not saying that they're going to be like immediate starters or anything like that. They're not. Um, but they're going to get some early playing time, a few of them. And so that's critical for them. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's kind of funny because like today we kind of go into it sort of not expecting surprises or anything like that, but it's supposed to be like a newsy day. It's the, it's the first day of the early signing period across the country. All these teams are, are making moves and Florida, the funny thing is they didn't do anything. It's like, they didn't get anybody, but nobody left either, which is something that not a whole lot of people are talking about just because everybody's focused on what you get. The other side of it too, is that nobody, nobody defected from the class. So there was absolutely like nothing that that changed between uh, yesterday and today, which is kind of funny because you don't really see that too often um, for a day like today. But uh, but yeah, it just kind of points to just the idea of, like you were saying, David, they built the class early on for the most part. Some There were some fairly recent additions lately, but mm -hmm. uh, for the most part, it was built early on and a bunch of these guys stayed committed. They haven't had a decommitment for a few months now. I think Morvin Joseph may have been the last one, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, uh, I think so. a few months back. And in, 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 um, I think either... Or that 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 wide receiver tight end guy from Valdosta, oh, Johnson. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, but for the most part, like these guys, you know, they they, they stayed committed. Um, so there wasn't really any surprises today, uh, good or bad, for the Gators. Which, if you're a Florida fan, you wanted more clearly. And like you were alluding to, also, they're at a really strong level at number eight. But they're not at an elite level, which to me is the biggest takeaway is that it's good. It's it's really good, but and it's better and it's getting better, but you're not there yet. Yeah, I, I think the question as far as that goes is a look. You were close against Georgia, you know, in, in the game this past year, seven points away. Um you know, what do you contribute that loss to? Do you contribute it to coaching? Do you contribute it to talent? And if, it, if it's talent, then, okay, well, did that get any better after today with what Florida was able to do, what Georgia was able to do? And, of course, the, the other teams as well. You fought tooth and nail with LSU. They come in with a great class as well. You know, so, as I said, you know, these are teams that you do have to face and teams that are in front of Florida. But – I think also you can look at it, and every year is going to be different, but where do we think Florida struggled the most in those games? And it was probably up front, uh, offensive line and defensive line. Well, you know what? Those were addressed <laughs> this class. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean the game's going to play out the same way next year, the year after that. But, of course, there was a need in, in, in those positions, and you know the hope there is, okay, maybe you don't get that – get beat that way again with what you've brought in uh, with this class. So you know, that, that is the question, Will, is – did, with, with Florida at eight and those teams in front of them, is it enough? You're not going to shrink the talent level. You're not going to close the gap with what Georgia, Alabama, and what they're able to do. It's just all, in, I guess, as a fan and how you look at it, is how close do you think Dan Mullen and the Gators already are? And with what they did today, does that make you feel better about going against Georgia, going against Alabama. Because, look, you look at Georgia next year. Just take next year as an example. And that could be a team. And, look, this this class really is not going to play too much into next year's game. 
But since we're talking about closing the gap, you look at a Georgia team next year that could be losing Jake Fromm, could be losing DeAndre Swift, could be losing three offensive linemen, and they're starting a true freshman like Carson Beck in, in, in the game in Jacksonville. So, I mean, you know, you you you'll take that right now, <laughs> especially what Jake Fromm has been able to do the last few years uh, against these Gators. So, look, yeah, in particular, this recruiting class ain't gonna isn't gonna play too much into next season's game, but it is a barometer of you know how close this team is to Georgia. And, and and one thing I think that we get caught up in on national signing day is what will this class do? Well, you know what? You have to pair this class with two classes before it, the class before it, the class after it, by the time, you know, this class is all said and done. So your question, my, my, my funny answer was going to be that, you know, you could always find different ways to lose David. Yeah. <laughs> Not to be a jerk, but you know, but uh, but no, I think I think to get to to one of your, like your main questions there, it's a great conversation to have. I, I think that look, the five star thing to me, it's a real it's a real thing. You know, like you got to recruit at a high level like that. You got to land some five stars, and in this this class doesn't feature any. Although I will say that Dexter should probably be one, and I think he's at like number thirty two on the composite for two four seven, and I think they may cap it at thirty two, like when it's all said and done. So he's pretty much all but a five star at this point. And but, if you use different services too, you know, Wingo is a five star on rivals. But the point is, is that like you need more than that. Yeah. Right. So even if those two guys were to become five stars a month from now, or whenever the final rankings are are tallied up or whatever are released, uh, you're, you're still lacking in that department compared to the, the teams that you mentioned that you're going to have to play again and you're going to have to play every year. So I'm not sure. It's like one of those things that in some ways, yes, because you didn't have the lines to compare to those two schools like you just didn't this past this past year. And so in theory, that should be um, down the road sooner rather than later, something that gets shored up um, in comparison to what you had this year. Um, and then there's some other areas like in the defensive back, like you were mentioning how you could kind of compare it to previous cycles. It's kind of interesting that I look back and in this group of seven defensive back commits or signees at this point, their average recruiting ranking is actually higher than the 2017 group that included uh, CJ Henderson, Marco Wilson, Brad Stewart, Sean Davis, the guys who are pretty much all starting now or, or had all started this past year. So that, I found that kind of interesting. That was one of my takeaways today, uh, too. But uh, but you're right. Like, you, you, it's hard to say, like, this is the class that either closed the gap or not, particularly when it's not full of five stars and you don't really know exactly how your rosters are going to look at this point. It's still a little bit too early um, to kind of say like, okay, this is exactly where we got better. This is exactly where we improved or closed that gap. You just don't know, especially now with the transfer portal, um, mm -hmm. there's so much back and forth and attrition, adding and subtraction, I should say, that you just don't know exactly. Um, so it, it's nice to say that like the defensive line and the offensive line, have been improved and it's accurate. Um, but you don't know if that's going to be the issue two years from now. You know, maybe maybe it's the wide receivers that maybe you should have gotten more of that you need more playmakers in a certain game. Who knows? Uh, right. You know, it's just one of those things. Right. And if you cook well across the board, then, you know, yeah. but, you know, but, yeah. right. And, but here's the thing, you know, it, it's hard to do. Uh, look, I mean, you, heck, you go and look at Georgia for a team that recruited so well, they struggled at wide receiver this past year and it yeah. held, held them back in certain spots. So, yeah, as you said, it's so hard to tell what's coming up uh, in, in years to come there. And, 
it's just um I guess another way to look at it, and this was the way uh, I started it when Dan Mullen was hired, is how close does he have to get to those teams? Does he yeah. have to recruit one? Does he have to recruit two? Does he have to recruit three? I don't think so, but the gap can't be huge. And I don't necessarily think it's a huge gap right now because on the field it shows that it's really not. You were tooth and nail with LSU. You were tooth and nail with Georgia. They were clearly the better teams. So you go get those one players. You go get those two players that go make a difference. As you said, the, the five stars that Florida has to get. Is it one player? Is it two players? Is it three players? We don't know the answer to that right now. And then, uh, of course, there's the the ever so popular with Dan Mullen can develop better than anybody else in the top 10. You know, when you look at coaches in the top 10, well, that may be well and good, but why can't we have both? And, yep. I, and th- th- that's the question uh, there. So I-, I do believe he's a great developer. I do believe he closes the gap as soon as the two teams step on the field. But, you know, you, you still got to have those one or two players to go out there and make that difference. And you know, that's not to say I- I'm not happy with this. That's not to say I'm not happy with this class. This is a really good class, as we said. Coming into the day, this class really good, really elite on the defensive side of the ball in spots. We'll get into that uh, there. But you know, the ultimate question is, you know, just just how far this recruiting class uh, compares to the the elite. Yeah, it is a great question. It's, again, it's something that we can't really like definitively answer, of course. Yeah. But the thing is, too, is that what's development? Development takes time, and that's something that you know, if you're a Florida fan. You don't want to be waiting more than a couple of years at this point anymore. Like you want to be saying to yourself, okay, we could beat this team. We could beat Georgia next season. You know, you don't want to be taking guys, you know, because that's another one of Dan Mullen's MOs, which, you know, he, he has a track record of this. So it works out. Um, it checks out that he takes guys who may have been under-recruited guys, mm-hmm. um, undervalued by some also, whom they have higher on their boards. And I get that, but more often than not, those type of guys – need to be developed and you're seeing some potential in them that you have to tap into. And again, more often than not, they do tap into it, but it just takes a couple of years um, in a lot of those cases. Right. So, you know, something we, uh, as you, as we said, we can give Dan Mullen a whole lot of credit for uh, in this class is being able to stick with the guys that uh, committed uh, to him and, and those guys sticking with uh, Florida. We know the, 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 Sama, the, the saga that surrounded Anthony Richardson and, uh, decommitting and looking around and, and committing back and getting back in this class around the whole uh, Carson Beck situation as well. Uh, in the spring, Joshua Braun uh, committed to Georgia, stayed with Georgia, coaching change there for, for the offensive line. Uh, you get him late, you know, some, some of the top players here. But, you know, Gervin Dexter or – all right, did, did, is it is it Gervin Dexter or Gervin Dexter? Didn't Mullen say Gervin today, right? Gervin. Okay, making sure there. I want to. Make- actually, I think it is. Okay, Jervon. There we go. I want to make sure I get it right. So, Jervon Dexter, look, courted by Georgia. Uh, even a report late last night uh, that, that he may be on flip watch. Didn't oh, believe anyone, right? That was. Who uh, man, tell you that does. Uh, the guy had to go make an explanation and everything for it, but uh, <laughs> uh, you know, kind of weird there. But we knew Kirby Smart was was interested, and then that was the team to, to watch for. But uh, I don't think we ever really felt that. Uh, Dexter was going to lead this class. Uh, Derek Wingo, you flip him from Penn State, and he is one of the strongest recruiters on the team, one of the probably leaders that, that we'll look for in the team. 
uh, there. And then there, you know, so, so many flips uh, with this uh, class as well. Uh, so, you know, a lot of credit goes for, you know, like a player like Mordecai McDaniel last Friday when, when, when Braun flipped as well uh, there, but you also had a long time commit like Rashad Torrance from the state of Georgia uh, with, with a lot of interest there too. So yeah, a, a lot of credit to uh, getting these guys in, identifying them early. They stayed committed uh, for a while. Like another player, Travis Johnson, uh, underrated kid, uh, they identified him early and then started getting some recent uh, uh, offers late, even Clemson uh, an, an offer recently as well. So a lot of credit goes to Dan Mullen for the guys who we came into today with knowing they were going to be Gators and no drama whatsoever. Yeah. And did you um, I don't know if a lot of people kind of knew this or, or pointed it out, but one of the more underreported things along those lines were the takes of Avery Helm from mm. Texas and Rashad Torrance from Georgia, because both those guys didn't play as juniors. Um, Torrance was uh, ruled ineligible after I think he moved. And so he didn't play as a junior, missed his whole junior year. And Helm tore his ACL, so he was out the whole year too. And both those guys committed to Florida. Florida took their commitments before their senior seasons. And those were two other guys who, you know, once they started playing games, other colleges took notice of them. And maybe they didn't, Maybe they weren't on Twitter a whole lot, like boasting about their offers or promoting themselves or sharing that that they got offers, but they did get offers, you know, they did get more interest. But it was Florida who were on those two guys early, believed in those guys early, despite not seeing them play or knowing that they wouldn't wouldn't be playing for a little while. Um, And they trusted their evaluations on it, which is something that's been a a theme and a hallmark for Mullen and his staff. And those are two kind of under the radar, underreported ones that kind of come to mind as well, along with the other guys that you listed. Um, So there are a couple of guys who were, you know, who got their due later on too, like Johnson. And I think Torrance got a bump. Um, Avery Helm, I think, got a bump as well as far as the ratings go. And we'll see what happens from now until, like I said earlier, the, the final rankings are released. But again, those are just a couple more examples of, you know, the staff kind of knowing what they're doing and kind of trusting their own evaluations, which is a big part of it as well. Absolutely. And they've been proven there uh, at that point uh, from, from time at Mississippi state and, and some of the guys that they brought in uh, for Florida so far as well. And Dan Mullen's tenure. So, well, you kind of brought it up in, in looking at the defense and the secondary and how highly rated it is uh, compared to some of the last classes. And I went and looked at, cause uh, I think we know this class is slanted more towards the defense than it is the offense uh, so far. And, and I wanted to break down the average ranking for each side of the ball uh, and kind of, I had to do some different ways of looking at it here and maybe do some forecasting as well. Uh, the average on offense, and I'm including Mark Britt here for wide receiver purposes, uh, the, the commit here. He's listed as an athlete with what Florida hasn't been able to do at receiver so far uh, in this class. I'm just going to add him there for the sake of it right now. But you know, Honestly, that's probably not a bad idea just because chances are they may add one anyway. If, yeah. If, whether it's him or not, who knows, but that's a, probably a decent placeholder, if anything, to kind of give us an accurate assessment anyway. Right. So uh, looking at that, the average for the offense, according to the 24-7 sports composite, would be an 89.24. Turn that around in the average for the defense, 91.48. So <laughs> to me, uh, anything above 90 is pretty darn good when you're looking at the way way the way 24-7 sports ranks uh, their defensive talent. And of course, I mean, headline 
Gervin Dexter there uh, on the defensive uh, with Jervon. Let me get that right. That's going to get on my nerves there. But as you said, uh, 31st ranked player in the country, uh, third ranked at, at his position. Big, big get there for the Gators. Had to hold off, uh, you know, uh, Georgia just trying to nip at the heels there. But Antoine Powell, Johnny Brown, Jalen Lee, the recent commit, uh, um, uh, uh, you're changing his mind from LSU uh, to Florida. Lamar Goods as well. I mean, all those guys rated four stars. Top 350 player, uh, top 350 players uh, in, in the country. There, Lamar Goods comes in at 349. So in the trenches, will you're looking at you know one, two, three, four, five guys that are ranked in the top 350 uh, sitting there at this defensive front. It's huge, and um, I think Goods and Powell are both guys who are going to are supposed to supposedly enrolling early according to Florida. And so you would think that they would be able to kind of get some early playing time, perhaps, even if it's just some snaps here and there in some games, uh, because they need that depth. I mean, Schuler is going to be gone. And so that's an area where you needed guys in that interior because you only have now what Kyrie Campbell, Slayton, Conley, he's back healthy. And then beyond that, you only signed Humphreys last year. And he didn't play at all. So, you know, who do you have? And so you're going to have to rely on these guys to provide some level of depth anyway, uh, let alone the fact that they're pretty talented. And so you could kind of probably throw Dexter into that mix, too, just because mm -hmm. of how big he is and how talented he's supposed to be, even though he hasn't really played football all that long. I mean, he just started playing competitive football a couple of years ago um, or two years ago, in fact, I think. So I would still throw him in there, though, just because of how talented he is, how large of a human being he is so you know but i think it's also a credit to david turner um you know a lot of people have said that but the thing is that you got to remember that david turner was at what utsa so mm -hmm. he wasn't recruiting these type of guys you know so it's yeah. like he just got here in january and so the thing for me is that you look ahead and you say okay david turner was somebody who was able to make these connections with 2020 kids early get these kids get a couple of them to commit one of the, one of them to flip uh, hold on to them as well, and he's only. And, and I'm glad. And I'm glad you said hold on to him as well. I know some people don't want to really give him credit for that, but come on. I mean, these are guys who could have easily went somewhere else because yeah. this is the guy they don't know. Yeah, especially in the case of Dexter, considering like how talented that guy is, he could have gone anywhere. So, um, point is though, is that the guy got here in January. He was able to make these connections. And that really is a good sign going forward because you would think with the 2021 class, the 2022 class, that uh, David Turner is not going to be an unknown to these guys anymore. He knows these kids. All right. And one guy I definitely want to get to because I know uh, you've had a lot of conversations with him and his family uh, and recently uh, looking at The Athletic as well and some of your work there. Derek Wingo and just the type of person he is, the type of kid he is. I, I Forget about football for a second and uh, i remember being at friday night lots you and i were hanging out together him walking outside the stadium and him and his mom and just enjoying every bit of it because that was right after he committed to florida and uh this was kind of our first glimpse of him in person and, and the way he comes about way he's you know stands up uh to, to himself uh, as well. You know, he's just uh, a really stand up kid and you go and look at videos of him and you know, this is in a way about football, but just the way leadership, uh, he's out there and the way he speaks to his team and even his coaches say, hey, look, when he speaks, we shut up. He's the type of guy that that is a leader and, and kids like to follow him. So uh, Derek Wingo is is one kid that uh, is probably um, – and I want to say this about Dexter too. You said he, his, his football time has been limited. But these are two guys I think I want to see on the field as soon as possible because those are 
to me are the type of, uh, hey, those guys are only here for three years. Let's get them on the field as soon as possible. And also other guys rally around those type of players. Those are outspoken guys. Those are guys who are going to hold other guys accountable. And that's something that Florida has really lacked. I think Freddie Swain and, and Josh Hammond and, and David Reese to an extent um, did a good job in their own respective ways. And I think Freddie was in particular a great leader in a lot of respects for Florida. But one one thing, all those guys are going to be gone <laughs> after this bowl game. And secondly, I'm not too sure that there are many, say, sophomores and juniors who are ready to emerge in those respective roles at this point. I just don't know. We'll see. Uh, but I do know just from um, observing Derek with his high school team, look, you don't, you don't really ever know for sure how a high school player is going to um, sort of assimilate himself or um, – react in a college environment we've learned that here at florida with with different guys who we thought were you know the greatest people on earth at one point but then things happen um but Derek wingo man he checks all those boxes for you that that you want to look for in a high school student uh to bring onto your football team the guy's uh really well spoken really articulate uh, very strong leader like i said holds other guys accountable he was the guy on his high school team who will who would um rally the guys around him, uh, perform those pregame speeches, motivate guys on the sideline, give players uh, tips during practices, really everything. Um, so if you're looking at one guy who is as close to being ready at a, at a college level, um, who's, who's just playing high school right now, it's probably Derek Wingo. Um, and that's especially necessary for the linebacker room because you do lose David Reese. And although I think highly of Ventrell Miller, and I think he has some really good leadership skills, um, you know, Ventrell is not going to be here all that long either. He's only got, what, two years of eligibility yeah. left. And he needs some more consistency on the field, too, for that matter. You know, Wingo's the type of guy who not only is he a leader, but he's also a superb talent as well. He's a highly talented player. I mean, there were plenty of times St. Thomas Aquinas was on national TV. So we got to see him play a lot this past fall. Um, he's a missile uh, out there, always around the ball. Uh, and they ask him to do a lot of things, too. He could cover from a linebacker spot. He could play rush in. He could play defensive end uh, in high school. He was in the backfield a lot. I mean, this guy, they asked him to do everything on that defense, and he was able to do it. Now, of course, he'll settle into a role uh, out of Florida, but it's still – and even going back to past classes there – uh, for Grantham and, and, and Christian Robinson uh, and what they're able to do, you know, speaking just the the versatility that they're able to get from these guys and what we see on, on high school film and maybe how that translates, uh, you know, you see you've seen it kind of play its part in a, in a player like Amari Bernie with the way they've been able to line him up in in, in different spots. Uh, I think they're getting another versatile piece. He doesn't have to be versatile, but I think they're getting another versatile piece here in Wingo. Definitely. And, and not for nothing, but that's really what you need, I think, in this day and age at that inside linebacker spot or that middle mm -hmm. linebacker spot. You need that versatility. I mean, we, we've seen that in the SEC, really, where guys are being asked to, to cover a lot more than say that they would have, um, especially one on one. And you can get exposed really easily that way and get burned. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think Derek is, is probably in line to play more of that inside linebacker role in, in this particular defense, although he was used primarily this past season as a more of like an edge rusher type, a defensive end type for, 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 for his high school team. But like you said, I mean, he could play anywhere. I mean, they can play QB for a couple of years at the high school <laughs> level. So, I mean, he's, he's um, to me, he's the real deal. I think uh, he's, he's not going to enroll early, but he's among the guys in my mind who will get early snaps.
All right, and we look here at the uh, defensive back uh, part of uh, this recruiting class. Jahiri Rogers, Ethan Pouncey, Mordecai McDaniel, Rashad Torrance, Avery Helm, Travis Johnson, uh, Finley Graham is there as well. But I, I, like I said, uh, he's he's another guy. Um, maybe he gets a look on offense as well uh, with just because of his punt return ability. We know he's good with the ball in his hands. So Finley Graham's another person just because of kind of what's happening at receiver uh, maybe gets a look and maybe that kind of Kadarius Tony role. Uh, if you want to kind of look for a, a gadget type of player uh, in this class, but even uh, Dan Mullen was asked about it today. Uh, I did a periscope earlier today, Will, and somebody was asking me of one of the more underrated players uh, of this class. And look, I'm a little biased being here in Jacksonville, but uh, Travez Johnson uh, fits that mold to me. Uh, I've, I've been around some coaches here in the Jacksonville area. I work with some people who know Travez, uh, and we saw it uh, with his rise recently uh, in, in the rankings of uh, a, a guy that wasn't necessarily highly touted. This staff identified early or uh, early on, and I mean, he's a missile uh, out there, another guy who really – Likes to be physical. He will, he's not afraid to hit. Um, he's another versatile piece where you can line him up at safety. He, you can line him up at nickel. Uh, they're kind of so, similar to, to Chauncey Gardner Johnson uh, in that in that aspect. So, yeah, you know, we look at the secondary and, and as highly rated as it is, but I still think one of the more underrated players that could emerge uh, from 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 that top is Travis Johnson. Oh, no doubt. You know, there's a reason why I, I wrote about him uh, last month was. Because of that reason, um, everybody I was, I, everybody that I spoke to, at, on multiple levels, couldn't say enough. High, high, uh, couldn't speak highly, uh, more highly of the guy. I mean, he was um, when he committed to Florida. If I get this correctly, Dan Mullen actually cited it. So you know, shout out to the athletic um, <laughs> as well. But he cited this. So it was, I and I should remember this because I wrote it. But I'm having trouble. Uh, <laughs> it was when Travis committed. When he committed, he was the lowest commit among any SEC team. Mm. So out of you know Tennessee didn't have anybody lower. South Carolina didn't have anybody lower. Ole Miss didn't have anybody lower. He was the Van- lowest guy. Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt not have anybody lower. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think. I'm like, how much guy here? <laughs> Sorry, not trying to throw shade at Vanderbilt here. <laughs> you know, like I I got to Ole Miss and like, God, there has to be somebody less than that. Arkansas. Uh, Arkansas. There- less than him either so it was Travis Johnson man and so that was kind of funny I thought so I wrote about that and you know what you know you, you interview a bunch of people um and they all say kind of the same things about him um he, his speed his measurables they all panned out and it was just the fact that he didn't really go to camps a lot so that was really the main reason why uh he didn't get a ranking or he wasn't getting offers but I mean man there's there's a lot of reasons why Clemson recently offered him um, just like about a month or two ago. And there's a reason why Florida has been on him for, for so long, um, you know, several several months at this point um, since seeing him. So it, it jumps off the page uh, when, you, when you watch his film. Uh, he's a hard hitter, like you said. I like him a lot. He's among the guys um, on the defensive side that – doesn't really get a whole doesn't really get a whole lot talked about um, in comparison to other guys, but he he's somebody that's probably going to be there in a couple of years where you're like, okay, uh, we're glad we got this guy on our team. My only worry for him is how many times he's going to get thrown out for targeting. Hard <laughs> hitter, man. He he he. Uh, he's definitely one of those dudes who like makes the offensive player like hate playing football for a few seconds because that that stuff must hurt. Uh, when he hits you, uh, you could just tell. 
I mean, you saw the same thing, right? I mean, like yeah. he's, he's slamming these kids. Um, yeah. You know, another guy who who I kind of like a lot, who I don't think gets talked about a whole lot, and it's kind of funny because he's like the third the third highest ranked kid <laughs> is that guy Rogers from Texas. I think yeah. that guy's really good. Um, and it's kind of funny because I think if he if he played in Florida. We wouldn't be talking. We would be talking about this kid nonstop. I feel like, but I think because he's an out of state kid. Yeah, um, he's a top. He's a top one hundred and twenty player. Man, he's like he's a number seven corner, and it's like we don't really talk about him a whole lot. But um, I think he's he's a really good player if you watch his film too. Um, and he's somebody who uh, I think also played quarterback for a little while uh, just before this past season too. So another guy who who's up there and who who's definitely another corner in a long list of obviously recent cornerback success as far as recruiting goes. Yeah, and quickly on him, uh, 24-7 Sports and their evaluation of him. Uh, athlete uh, with enough height and adequate frame that likely plays cornerback but has some safety projectability. There we go. Another versatile piece in the in the defense. Uh, run Like you said, run heavy quarterback in high school that shows straight line athleticism regularly. Um, I mean, yeah, this is a kid that has played quarterback, not, not necessarily a lot of secondary film here, uh, but they say that he's efficient athletically makes plays with the ball in his hands and shows the ability to accelerate and run past defenders, has uh, shown above average speed in combine settings and demonstrates good change of direction with some of the nation's uh, better short shuttle times. Uh, in man coverage, has reactive quickness and athleticism to be really good. Predictability can get lost in zone coverage in camp settings due to limited experience on defense. Very much a projection due to limited film playing his college position but has athletic traits to grow into an impact power five uh five starter with mid-round nfl draft potential so as you said uh, a lot of it is projection there ba- based on him but uh the the, the measurables uh, seem to uh be, be be good enough for 24 7 sports to rank him pretty high there as a, a cornerback yeah no he's a great get for them um and uh, you know, a pretty heavy list of defensive guys who are pretty impressive. Um, I'm trying to think of some other guys who, are, who I really liked in that class. Like Torrance, I liked a lot too. He was another guy mm-hmm. who who um, shores up that safety spot. I mean, all of a sudden you go from having just those, those two uh, blue chip safeties and I guess Brad Stewart and uh, Trey Dean, if you want to count him as a safety, um, you know, they moved in the corner. So I'm not really sure exactly what, what the best the definition of his position is at this point. But say if it's Trey Dean and Brad Stewart, those are two uh, two blue chip safeties. You doubled that total with this cycle with uh, Mordecai and and um, Torrance as four star safeties. So that, that's also kind of a big deal, too. All right, and, and of course, one player will switch to the other side of the ball. One player that, uh, of course, you're close to because you're on the beat there in Gainesville. It's Gainesville's very own Anthony Richardson, and uh, kind of close to here in Jacksonville as well. Denny Thompson, his quarterback trainer uh, from here in Jacksonville, you know, I've discussed with him a lot. And look, we go back to the springtime, and when Carson Beck committed to Georgia, and we thought that was going to be uh, him committing to Florida, and we get the surprise commit to Georgia. You know, I had Denny on the uh, on the podcast, and because. Uh, because of the insight he was going to bring. Uh, and look, he was training Carson Beck. He was training uh, Anthony Richardson. He was training uh, Jeff Sims, who committed to Georgia Tech today as well. And Denny specifically said, and, and this is what stood out in the podcast, and everybody liked it because of Denny saying of, the, uh, of those quarterbacks, the highest ceiling, he said, would go to Anthony Richardson. So what happens? We fast forward. We go to the fall, and Anthony Richardson's Anthony Richardson is balling out. Uh, improves so much from his junior to senior season, and uh, look, everybody took notice. He had his stock 
was rising so much uh, in, in the rankings uh, within the last, you know, with this season uh, in the last month, he's working on his accuracy. You, you've seen that be a big part uh, of his game and his improvement uh, there. And will, I, I'm a big proponent. If anybody's listened to this podcast enough, I'm a big proponent. You have to take a quarterback every class just because you never know what happens. We saw what happened with Jalen Jones last year. And Dan Mullen even said it to the, today. He wants four uh, on the roster, and that's a big part. And Florida got a really, really good one. And probably, I said it earlier, Taylor May for Dan Mullen's offense is Richardson. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And you mentioned uh, the Carson Beck situation. You know, I, I was always of the belief, based on everything that I had heard, was that they were in the in the market for two guys, and they wanted yep. both of them. And to that point, Mullen said he wants four guys, and right now they only got three. I'm not saying that. I mean, they only got three now because of Felipe Franks transferring, and who knew that you know Felipe Franks would transfer? You know. They, Six months ago, nobody did. Um, maybe somebody would have left the room, though. Um, who knows? Um, there, there was a lot of questions uh, for the quarterback room up until just a couple of weeks ago or last week or whenever Felipe decided to make it official and transfer. Um, so, you know, the point is, is that I, I, I always believe that they were in the market for two guys um, or that they viewed Beck and Richardson both so highly that they would take both at the very least. Um, and it is interesting, though, that. Now, like you said, we fast forward, and it's actually Anthony Richardson who is ranked higher than yeah. on the recruiting services. And so that's a, obviously a huge credit to to Anthony's improved game. And, man, I've always liked um, Anthony Richardson's demeanor and his mentality. Um, his maturity really stood out to me when I spoke to him face-to-face, and I got to know him a little bit because, like you detailed, he dealt with a lot of that stuff going during the recruitment where, you know, Carson Beck was everybody's, you know, favorite quarterback in the, in the high school, um, you know, crop from the, from this past cycle for a long time. And Anthony was almost like an, a- an afterthought for a while um, or a guy that was almost expen- expendable for Florida. And I don't, I don't necessarily think that that was too fair for him, um, but he went through it. Um, he experienced a little bit of adversity in that way. And I believe I'd like to think at least that he came out a lot stronger mentally as, as a young guy. Um, and then, so he is another one of those guys who's already at practice now and look, you know, teammates and, and coaches, they're all going to say nice things about the guy who just got on campus, not going to say anything bad about the kid. So obviously he's getting a lot of compliments. But I think that a lot of it's genuine, too, because he does have a lot of physical tool, tools. He can zip the ball and obviously he can move. Um, so, you know, he, he, he's worked hard uh, to get to this point and his potential is, is certainly up there, man. It's it's pretty high. Absolutely, and uh, keep going through. We're turning through these uh, players here. We go through wide receiver, and uh, that's a point of emphasis for uh, Gator Nation out there right now. And the only signee uh, out of uh, the, the receiver position right now is Jaquavion Frazier's big time wide receiver. Really like what they what they have in him there. And is the uh, 191st ranked player on 24/7 Sports, 32nd ranked. Wide receiver, 6'3 and a half, 194, big time playmaking wide receiver. I mean, 6'3, 194, that's the type of big bodied receiver that Dan Mullen, Billy Gonzalez uh, have liked in, in the past, particularly the, the going back to kind of the Mississippi State mode of wide receivers uh, there. So, uh, a big body receiver here uh, for Dan Mullen and Gonzalez. Yeah, you know, Dan, Dan Mullen said that he likes to have 10 guys as far as receivers go. Right now they have nine. But my thing is, I'm not really that concerned if I'm a Florida fan or if I'm, you know, rooting for Florida or interested in Florida. I'm not really concerned about the quantity of guys. I'm concerned about the quality. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
level of like the level of talent that you have because you have you have a decent group this year um it's not like exactly what georgia experienced this past season because you do or at least you're expecting to return Kadarius tony grimes Pitts and Copeland, which those four guys on varying levels represent a lot of a decent amount of production. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you consider that you're losing four pretty talented dudes at the position, you're, you're still returning a, a few guys who who caught a bunch of passes for you and got a bunch of yards. Um, but it's the group after them that you're just really not sure about because one, they haven't played a whole lot. Um, secondly, they're young. And then third, they weren't really that highly ranked out of high school. So they yeah. they represent a lot of question marks. And so, you know, in my opinion, I think that they're better, better served to go out and try to find somebody maybe in the transfer portal, perhaps um, who can maybe solidify that even if the guy has to sit out a year um, because, you know, Mullen even mentioned uh, the older Pouncey brother, um, they yeah. have to apply for a waiver. You know, actually I was under the impression that he would be immediately eligible. Apparently that's not the case. Uh, they have to, uh, apply for a waiver according to Mullen. So, but yeah, I, I think that they'd be better served or um, it would perhaps be- behoove them to get a grad, tra- uh, some sort of transfer at wide receiver um, to kind of uh, boost the quality uh, or the talent level of that room, not just for the 2020 season, but the 2021 season as well. Yeah. And receivers out there in the transfer portal that uh, available, Justin Shorter, Penn State. Uh, transfer and Tariq Black uh, from Michigan. You know, two that's two headliners there that a lot of people probably guy, isn't he? Do what is shorter the most talented guy? Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. So recruiting, uh, by the way. So yeah, uh, and that's the bigger names there that uh, f- fans may know. Another, uh, of course, commit that Florida has, but we will have to wait till February to see where Leonard Manuel comes in the the, the fold, and um, you know, hopefully there. I mean, everybody knows by now. There, there's just some some issues he has to work through uh, to get through, and, and waiting until February. But another big time talent. He's in the fold right now, uh, as far as the commit goes. Six four, two hundred pounds. He's a two hundred fiftieth, two hundred fifty first ranked player in the country. Uh, he's kind of fell down because he missed some time uh, this past fall. But one big time receiver that Florida would love to bring into the fold. I believe he's a former five star at one time, if I remember right. So, you know, that lets you know the type of talent Florida would be dealing with here. Uh, and, and one, I think, you know, hopefully Florida can get in the fold in February. Yeah. I don't think there's much denying the fact that that kid could play and that he's talented. It's just a matter of, you know, is he, when he's going to get here, if he's going to get here. Yeah. Uh, and that's always going to be a question for anybody who didn't sign in, in December is if, and when they get here, that's, that's going to have to be the caveat that we use with all these guys uh, because it's just not official until they sign it, of course. So he, he's a guy. Um, and again, like maybe if they, if they do uh, get him and, you know, they, they did sign the one receiver today. So I'm just thinking in my head, like, you know, could, could you sell that or is that enough? I'm not sure. I still, I still think you need more offensive playmakers. I still, yeah. I still think that um, regardless, because it's just, I just don't, I, I look at this not just for 2020, but like I said earlier, 2021, and I just don't see enough playmakers for, for Florida on the off on the offensive side. Yeah. And, and I get it because we saw Van Jefferson come in here and have so much success. We, um, saw uh, Tre- Trevon Grimes come in and, you know, probably will, will be a key cog as long as he doesn't go pro. But the, I, I get the, the portal does change things, but to me it's more beneficial if you know you're getting a guy three or four years instead of a guy that you may only have two years. Uh, to, it, it really helps 
to, to me, the better way to build your roster is to build it through recruiting. Most likely NFL, and they talk about it, the better way to build your roster is through the draft, not free agency. I still feel that way about college football. I, I know the transfer portal is a big wave. It does help. Don't get me wrong, but I think the, the, the better part of going out there and, and building this team is still going out there and recruiting your receivers because, look, you've identified them as talent. You already know the interest is there uh, from, from, from the coaching staff side. If, if they went out there and accepting the commitment of a kid, you already know that staff likes this kid. So I, I st- instead of going out there and having to go get a wide receiver in the transfer portal just because of need, at least a guy you went and recruited is somebody you know that fits this offense. Yeah, the only thing I, I agree with all of that, I will add, though, that and I don't have numbers in front of me, but I would be willing to guess that wide receiver is probably the position that you could probably um, sign the most out of the transfer portal. If that makes sense. Like you could probably out of all the positions, I would, I would assume that wide receiver just because of uh, I'm going to stereotype and generalize, but you know, more of those guys want the ball and they're, they're more like likely to leave. They don't get the ball. Um, Just history tells us that Uh, I hate to generalize like that, but Hey, whatever. Um, but, but yeah, Gen- so, generalizing is accepted on Gators breakdown. Yeah. Um, so I think if you were looking for a position in the transfer portal, wide receiver is probably the one that you could kind of get away with and signing a couple of guys from there or taking a couple of guys from there, but still you're overall, you're, I totally agree with you. All right. And, and part of that, uh, this wide receiver talk, uh, you know, Florida was in the running for uh, Sam Brown uh, today. Uh, we'll get into some of the other guys Florida uh, missed on today, but since we're on this wide receiver topic here, uh, Sam Brown, um, yeah, I did have, um, you know, Corey Bender on <clears throat> Corey Bender from Rivals on uh, Monday night, and, and he he did throw out watch for West Virginia uh, on this recruitment, and that's where Sam Brown ended up. Uh, a lot of people felt comfortable in picking Florida as the destination for wide receiver Sam Brown, but West Virginia uh, won out in the end. And so, uh, as I said, we'll get into to, to some of the other storylines uh, throughout the day with some of the other players Florida uh, didn't get. But before we do get there, uh, we do have to look at this. Uh, we, we talked about the trenches and how important they were for Florida and this offensive line. I mean, you got to book in tackles right here uh, and, and guys that um, maybe early contributors. Uh, no, Isaiah Walker uh, is looked at as that type of player here uh, from, from Miami. He signed late tonight. His, his LOI is in the building. So don't, don't worry about that. Uh, but you know, he's the 140th ranked player in the country. 14th ranked offensive tackle in the country, uh, somebody who may con- step in uh, and fill in at the, you know, maybe poss- possibly the right tackle spot there. But Joshua Braun, the recent flip from Georgia, uh, Richard Leonard as well, uh, Gerald Mincy, uh, those are the guys who have sent their letters in 10 in. Uh, and Will, help me here. Do you know, is it Jovens Javier? Javier? Uh, there? I don't know necessarily how to pronounce his last name right. So, uh, correctly. Do what? I think you've been hitting it correctly. He's one guy who I haven't really spoke to a whole lot, aside from a couple of messages back and forth. So, yeah, and, and we'll see what happens there. I know some fans yeah, are wondering. Asian guy because he's not all he's not a signee yet. So right, right, and I know some people are wondering if he'll get the if he'll you know we'll continue to be in this class later on. We'll we'll see, uh, but. Uh, Look, we know Florida had to improve in the trenches there. You get two four-stars in Braun and Walker. Walker, a highly rated four-star here. Uh, uh, Mincy and, and Leonard, two three-stars uh, along this um, offensive line as well. So we talked about the importance of trenches there. Uh, and Florida, I think, gets their book in tackles. 
Yeah, absolutely. I like Braun a lot. I think he's a very smart kid. Um, again, another one of those guys who is going to he's, who's already at practice. Um, a very whirlwind situation where he where he basically just got here straight after making a decision to come into the class. But familiarity helped in that case. And obviously Sam Pittman leaving Georgia had a lot to do with it as well. Opened the door for uh, him to make that switch to, to change his mind on, on what's what was the best fit for him. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot to like, I think, on the offensive line, just because you have those two guys. Um, plus, you have a couple of like uh, underrated maulers, I think, in Leonard. Um, he, he's a guy who uh, Leonard and Mincy. Um, those are two guys who I like a lot, um, sort of guys who they have to sort of uh, develop, uh, have to get better, um, improve their physiques, that sort of thing. But uh, they have um, a foundation that should lend some upside, some potential there to kind of grow. Of the group, I like Braun probably the most. I just think that he comes from a, a great family background, um, a lineage of, of offensive linemen in that family. He's just the latest one. And like I said, he's a bright kid, um, definitely taking advantage of uh, UF being a top 10 academic place. Let me tell you that. He's smart, man. Yeah, and, and I know I say bookend tackles. He is somebody who's so big that he may – fitting to guard at some point uh, as well because he's he's kind of a mauler as well. Uh, He likes to get nasty in the run game uh, as well. So I say bookend tackles just because of where he played uh, in high school here, but uh, somebody who could uh, switch over. Will, I know you have to go soon uh, here and and take care of uh, some uh, some other things. Uh, What can uh, our our listeners know uh, what you have going on the athletic this week with uh, the the signing period uh, being front and center? I appreciate you even asking me, man. Thanks for having me on, as always. It's always great talk. Um, You know, I have some takeaways on the 2020 class. We covered a lot of it, uh, but just more in detail. Um, A lot of things that we discussed. Uh, Next day or so, I'll also have more of a TikTok story on how Josh Braun got into the class um, after leaving Georgia's class. It's kind of a, a weird, wacky couple of days not really wacky, but just kind of intense or a lot of things happened very quickly for them. It was kind of fun to talk to John Hevesy about that and kind of pick his brain about what that was like. So that's kind of a fun story, um, something along the lines of what I put together when uh, Derek Wingo made a, a similar similar flip uh, from Penn State. Awesome. So you can find uh, Will and his work at The Athletic. Go to the website, download the app, and get all uh, the good coverage there. Uh, so, Will, man, thank you much. I'll uh, I'll – you know, probably in the episode, I got some tweets to get to, and uh, we'll look at some targets that, that the Gators are in for for February. But, uh, man, thank you once again for hopping on Gators Breakdown. Man, always a blast. Thanks, David. All right. Will Salmon from The Athletic, where you can uh, find his work there. So, yeah, we just discussed all the uh, – no, pretty much <laughs> every position there uh, that, uh, that that the Gators pulled in uh, here on this early signing period. Uh, so, look – First, we'll go through yeah the the kind of the storyline of the day here. We know Florida was able to to, to keep their commitments uh, coming into the day, but there was a lot of targets uh, out there that Florida was in for. Uh, not so much for EJ Smith. We'll start with him, the running back from Texas, Emmett Smith's son. I didn't necessarily feel good about that one coming into today, and it played out that way. It was either going to be Texas A&M or, or, or Stanford, and it ended up being uh, Stanford as the choice there. Uh, so, uh, of course, I know there's a lot of uh, heat on uh, running back coach Greg Knox uh, to, to, to get a running back there uh, and, and missed. Uh, I won't necessarily say – I guess you could say missed on EJ Smith, but uh, once that Stanford offer come in, I knew it was going to be kind of hard for Florida. And look – 
uh, yes, you can say he maybe you know the way recruiting works uh, is a miss, but from everything I could gather, EJ just really didn't want to follow in his dad Emmett's footsteps here at Florida. Was there was he was always going to be compared to his dad, and I think he just kind of wanted to make his own story uh, and going to either to Stanford or Texas A and M. There, I, I think he liked Florida, but I think there were some other things around uh, the situation there to where. Yeah, it just wasn't uh, probably probably just wasn't meant to be uh, for him. Uh, wide receiver Sam Brown, of course, took his visit uh, to Florida this past weekend. Um, decided that he was going to make his decision on, on Wednesday on, on signing day, and most thought that would be a good sign for Florida. Uh, but he chooses West Virginia uh, in the end. Florida wasn't even a hat on the table uh, at that. So uh, that was uh, where some of the uh, inside info just wasn't right there. Uh, that, uh, look, as I said, Corey uh, Bender from Rivals came on here uh, on Gators Breakdown on Monday night and said West Virginia was the school to look out for. He was picking Florida, but West Virginia was the school to look out for. And Sam Brown ends up picking West Virginia. Big miss of the day here, and uh, I know everybody felt good about getting Timothy Smith and Donnell Harris a couple days ago, but it was starting to come out late on Tuesday night, the day before signing day, that it didn't look good for Timothy Smith or Donnell Harris, and that's exactly the way it played out here. Timothy Smith kept with his commitment to Alabama, and Donnell Harris kept with his commitment uh, to Texas A&M. And Timothy Smith's probably the, the big miss here uh, I know Florida was hard on him and, and trying to get him uh, to flip from Alabama. He took so, what, eight visits this fall, uh, I think, or eight visits total to Florida. Uh, and a lot of people say, hey, follow the visits, and that's where you can kind of tell where these kids are going. Well, we were following the visits, and, and we didn't. We, we thought that would help Florida uh, in the end here. So, um, you know, I know, you know Jervon Dexter really thought that uh, – um, wasn't super confident, but thought Smith would would end up a Gator. But uh, yeah, that one hurts. That one hurts a little bit. Uh, and I, I, that was a chance to look. This defensive line's already really good, above average, a uh, really really good defensive line. That would have taken it to an elite level. That would have taken this defensive line to. Uh, uncharted territory uh, for what we've seen along the defensive front here uh, for the Gators in recent years. So, uh, and then Donald Harris, uh, more the defensive end type there, kind of trolls Florida with you know having a Florida sweater on, ends up taking it off and revealing Texas A&M. Uh, if you were on Periscope with me earlier today, uh, you heard uh, where there was, it was supposed to probably be a hat to begin with, where he was going to fake put it. A, hat, a Florida hat on, and it ends up putting a Texas A&M hat on uh, there. So yeah, you know, just some uh, uh, some shenanigans there uh, with Harris and him uh, sticking with Texas A&M. Don't know what that was about. I don't know why he felt the need uh, to do that uh, to, to Florida uh, there. Uh, it kind of shows. Well, I think when kids do that, uh, of course, we like seeing it when Florida guys do it, but. Uh, uh, overall, probably shows a lack of respect uh, for for the uh, other school, uh, but that's just the way it plays out there. So Timothy Smith sticks with Alabama. Donnell Harris sticks with Texas A and M, and then a little bit of drama uh, today. Uh, Clyde Pender, who was a North Carolina commit, um, delayed his announcement, and some people thought, hey, maybe he wants to see what Timothy Smith's going to do, and if he doesn't choose Florida, maybe Pender will choose. Florida, and that's not really the way it played out there. Clyde Pender delayed his decision, uh, but uh, I believe it was around 6.30, 7 o'clock 
uh, on signing day night, Clyde Pender ends up sticking uh, with North Carolina. So, you know, one thing I do want to get into with this, absolutely it's disappointing uh, the day when you were, you know, you were in for so many uh, of these top recruits and they end up choosing somewhere else. But let's not forget, you know, this Florida just recently flipped two guys, on you know, Braun and McDaniel uh, last Friday. If those guys were to hold off and made their decisions today, you'd feel much better about today. Uh, so, you know, timing is everything. Uh, I put that on Twitter today. It's kind of a tweet kind of summarizing this thought here. I mean, look, it's um, – it's it's just the way you know t- timing is everything. Perception, uh, it, 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 that that kind of changed perception a little bit. I'm not trying to make an excuse here for the uh for the staff for the way today itself played out. Still a really good class overall. Had a really good start coming into today. It played out. You didn't lose guys. Yes, it would have been nice to to to, to get these guys because look, you, you would if you could have went out there and pulled in Sam Brown and added another receiver for some for some depth and pulled in Timothy Smith and Donnell Harris and made this defensive class elite. I mean, it's on the verge of elite anyway. I think with with Wingo and Dexter, but you get Smith and Harris, and I mean that would have put this defensive class over the top uh there so you know, just just a way to look at it though i mean if if guys would have waited to make their decisions today i don't think you'd feel so bad <laughs> about uh, the way that uh that that kind of played out there so um you know state of florida recruiting as well i'll quickly hit on that before i get to some of your tweets um you know florida ha- signed and have committed right now uh the most state of florida kids in the country with 16 and you know look florida needed to do that with the way fsu and miami's uh, struggling right now but it is the top you know players in the state uh where, where that's lacking and you know it, of course count img kids the way you want to count them or however but you know two of the top five and demarcus bowman and fred davis are, are going to clemson uh two guys that have nothing to do with img um you know dervon dexter comes in as the fifth ranked player uh in the state he is headed to florida being there but then georgia comes in and grabs the seventh and ninth best players in the state uh there for for their team and then tenth best was donnell harris and he's going to texas a&m uh, so, you know, Florida, you, you want to start seeing some of the top 10 players in the state stay uh, in state. And you know, Florida's doing a better job of that uh, for 2021 class. But, you know, for, for this class in, in particular, um, look, I, I just mentioned it in Bowman and Clemson. You know a lot of Gator fans were kind of holding out hope. I don't know why. <laughs> it's, it, that, that, it was long gone. He wasn't coming to Florida. Um but to me, and kind of relating it back to EJ Smith and the whole running back recruiting thing, it's a myth, and I, I, I don't care what the excuse is. Uh, the running back recruiting has to get better. I was okay with losing Trey Sanders because I thought there was a really good chance of getting Demarcus Bowman. But I said at the time, if you miss on Trey Sanders, you have to rebound and you have to get a player like Demarcus Bowman, and it didn't play out that way. Uh, so Florida's got to get better. Florida has to get better at, at running back recruiting. And I know a lot of people throw out, hey, Urban Meyer didn't have a running back, true running back. I don't care what Urban Meyer had. I, it, it, yeah, it won some games there, but I don't care. Go go, go out there and get a running back. Go out there and, and get a high-profile running back and, and make this offense even better. So just because one thing was one way doesn't mean this. it has to be this way uh, for, for, for Dan Mullen. So, um, you know, we'll see how it all plays out. We'll see, uh, you know, uh, kind of the next topic here uh, of what, you know, is targets uh, that, that Florida has going into February. And, um, 
You know, this was just the first part uh, of signing day and, and getting players. This early signing period lasts for three days, and then we have to wait till February uh, to get the uh, next crop uh, of Gators here. And, and looking at running back Jameer Gibbs, the Georgia Tech commit, um, you know, see what he does, Ohio State. Uh, in the mix, uh, kind of the school I'm favoring if he leaves Georgia Tech. Uh, if Georgia offers, it's definitely over. He wants to go uh, – I've heard he wants to go to Georgia if Georgia offers. Uh, maybe Henry Parrish as well. Uh, maybe some grades issues there. I don't know. I'm trying to follow up uh, on that, but I know that was kind of thrown out there. Uh, but we'll say he was committed to Pitt at, at, at one time. So we'll see there. I like what Parrish brings to the table uh, there. But if I had my pick of attainable running backs, uh, I really like Jameer Gibbs' uh, – of course, Devontae Williams at safety, uh, one of the bigger targets on the board, uh, left out there. Look, you know, look for, for Florida to be in the mix with him heavily. Uh, he'll take some visits after decommitting from Oregon uh, and trying to pick out his next school. Uh, has to like Florida's chances, uh, I think, as it stands uh, right now. Xavier Henderson, wide receiver. Don't see him coming to Florida. Christopher Henderson's little brother. Uh, Clemson, Alabama battle, uh, I think, there uh, to, to, to look out for. Demarcus Beckwith, a uh, tight end out there to keep an eye on as we march toward uh, January and, and how it all uh, plays out there for the uh, February uh, signing date. If you missed it earlier, some transfers uh, to look out for. Joshua Corbin, uh, he may have may, uh, – he's a running back, um, transfer for Texas A&M. May have to fight Florida State for him uh, if he decides to come back home uh, to the state of Florida. And a couple of wide receiver transfers as well. Justin Shorter, the wide receiver transfer from Penn State, and Tariq Black, uh, transfer from Michigan. So I got a lot of your, your thoughts uh, out there. You guys have sent me a good bit of thoughts uh, of how you thought this class and how this day played out uh, for the early signing period for the Gators, and here we go. Um, let's see. X54X says, you know, um, good class uh, and the talent disparity shouldn't be so much as to make us uncompetitive. In our two losses this year, we were manhandled up front. This class goes a long way toward fixing that. Yeah, we hit that. We hit on that earlier, uh, Will and I. So yeah, I, I still think Florida's on the right track here. May take a little longer than we expect. Um, you know, th- th- we're not, not getting the, the top five classes right away. I still think it's close. I, I still think the talent disparity is close enough. You had the seven point loss to Georgia. Uh, and look, don't just look at that game either. I think look at the way the whole season played out. And Georgia didn't necessarily, you know, especially as the season went on, wasn't really blowing teams out. They were in close games left and right with Auburn and Texas A&M, lost to South Carolina. Uh, you know, and Florida looked better against some of the similar opponents there. Uh, so, you know, I don't think you can look at just the Florida-Georgia game and say just how far uh, the teams are from each other. Take the season as a whole. Florida and Georgia are not that far apart. I, you know, I'd still say Georgia's roster is better top to bottom, but I still think, uh, not that far when you look at the uh, the, the big picture of things. Now, Brian Hicks says, um, if, I, uh, if all I read was tweets and had no idea who we actually landed, I think we had the worst class in UF history. <laughs> uh, he goes, in fact, we had a great day. Is running back an issue? Sure, but mainly because of how it went down. We're still better than good. In Mullen, we trust. Uh, CPIG9 says, uh, everyone made excuses for – uh, Muschamp and McElwain the first two years as well. Just saying, really good class, but certainly not the standard. Dan's got to own the clear misses this year and make adjustments. And look, I know coaching changes are a hot topic uh, out there. 
if you guys have listened to Gators Breakdown for years, <laughs> you guys know I was probably one of the last ones on the Fire McElwain train. Uh, there, I'm just that's just not my mentality. There, I, I'm not a big fire firearm guy, um, but you know something definitely has to be done, uh, especially to me uh, for running back recruiting. Billy Gonzalez, I think, saves himself a good bit with you know wide receivers. Uh, and, and the way they perform on the field. I think he's a really good coach, a really good teacher uh, at the wide receiver position. And we'll see how this wide receiver class plays out. Where Frazier's and, uh, and Manuel, I like those two a lot. I like those two a lot together. And I kind of was counting on Brown uh, to be in this class as well for some depth pieces. But if you get Frazier's and Manuel and, and you get some transfers in at the wide receiver position, I, you know, I can kind of defend Gonzalez much more than I can fend Knox and the running back position and how that's turning out right now. But I'm not a big firearm guy, uh, but I do think some changes have to be made. I have to kind of take that maybe next step uh, in recruiting here. So Donovan German uh, says, uh, the three I thought would make an elite class, Tim Smith, Henderson, and Gibbs, uh, two are signing in February, missed on Smith, uh, room for improvement, but happy with who signed. The sky isn't falling. Uh, they've been saying that crap on signing day for years, 20 and five in that span. Trust coach Dan Mullen. Uh, he goes, losing uh, Taylor Chase says losing Harris isn't a big deal because of how deep we are there. Uh, but losing Tim Smith is so bad considering how many times we got him on campus. And yeah, as I, as I said in, in discussing him, there's the whole follow the visits thing. And I think a lot of people felt good about how many times he had been on campus and all the pictures he were taking, he was taking with the recruits uh, there this past weekend. And uh, I think there was reasons to feel good. And I felt good except, you know, late last night <laughs> coming into signing day uh, there. So, uh, Things change. Things change in recruiting uh, a lot this time of year uh, leading up to signing day. So, um, yeah, it, it, it does hurt. Disappointing day, but uh, I still say not disappointing overall here. So, uh, Patrick uh, at P. Dizzle for shiz. <laughs> uh, everyone is so wrapped up in early signing day. Let, uh, let the dust settle and see who's still not signed. Then the coaches will figure it out. The game plan, who fits our needs. Plus, everyone is forgetting the portal options out there at receiver and possibly running back. Um, Chris Tomley says Smith hurt because he's a difference maker. Harris has more indifferent on due to position and need, but good player. Funny part is we do it right at right receiver and running back in the portal. And we could have a top eight class, but be right, uh, in those top five and total talent, including Cox. So yeah, you know, of course, you know, Brenton Cox transfer from Georgia is a kind of included, included in this class. He didn't play this year. He'll play this year with these guys. Uh, but, will be more of an impact players being a, a transfer and having some playing experience uh, already. So if you want to count him in this class, you, you, you can, uh, but for the sake of this episode and for the sake of how we do, you know, looking at 24 seven sports rankings and, and looking at the class, uh, Brent Cox, not included uh, in the rankings there. Peyton Mitchell uh, says uh, we had a bad day trying to flip kids, but we didn't lose any uh, to another program. We didn't have committed kids coming into the day deciding between teams. Uh, as bad as today was, it could always be worse. And as I said, I, I give Mullen a lot of credit for that. And, and he's right. We didn't. We saw Tim Smith, Alabama. They didn't know where he was going as of uh, yesterday. They uh, and maybe even early this morning. They had no idea. Um, uh, and uh, Harris, uh, saying Mark, Texas A&M had to question where he was at. Florida didn't have that. Florida didn't have a guy who was. 
German Dexter uh, or German Dexter, I want to say his name right, um, wasn't coming in deciding between Florida and Georgia. We knew he was going to Florida. Uh, Wingo wasn't coming in and trying to decide between Penn State and Florida. He, we, we knew he was signing with Florida. So uh, I do think a lot of credit gets there, uh, uh, needs to go uh, to Dan Mullen as far as that goes and making sure uh, Florida was hanging on uh, to their guys. So, yeah, there we go. Man, mouthful tonight exhausted following all this all day long uh thanks to so many uh, of you out there for uh all the communication all the talk today here on early signing day on twitter um pretty much all day long uh, i took the day off of my, my normal work <laughs> schedule to to be able to keep up with everything and uh, put this episode out there uh, for you guys everybody out there uh, on youtube uh, who's listening right now kyle boardman let's see casual carolina fishing uh hardwire self-destruction i know you guys uh, i'll throw some shout outs to you for always being there uh on the youtube chat it's hard to keep up with the chat as i kind of produce and talk on the show uh, at the same time but a big shout out to you guys shout out to everybody on twitter uh, as well who uh, you know continues to follow gators breakdown uh, share it out there i just went over ten thousand followers on twitter uh because of uh you know you listeners out there and, and the followers out there for for all the trust uh that uh you know i, I get to um you know the, all the trust that you guys put in me and I, I really appreciate it. And uh, it, as far as recruiting goes, and I know a lot of people ask me kind of what's going on uh, leading up to signing day. Uh, I try to give it to you truthfully. I, I don't try and, and blow smoke there. Uh, some stuff kind of have to keep secret for sake of kids and stuff like that. I don't want to ruin their moment. I, I think that's the most important thing uh, here. And kind of the most important thing when looking at the, the day too. I know we're disappointed in some aspect uh, of recruiting for there, but you know, enjoy the players that Florida did get. Uh, don't throw away the ones Florida had in the fold and and, and the kids that were, you know have been committed uh, for a long time. So we don't we pretty much think we know how all this kind of plays out with recruiting. But sometimes you know, you just never know who's going to be that guy uh, you know who who shows up and, and is a big time contributor uh, to to Florida here. So that's just kind of the way you know things play out here uh, and uh, on, on signing day. So uh, everybody, thanks so much uh, for all the. Uh, all the interaction, all the listens, all the follows, and um, you know, making Gators break down uh, what it is that we as we put this uh, early signing day uh, behind us here. So, uh, yeah, I don't uh, the schedule for next week. There will be an episode uh, Christmas week, uh, I think, for previewing Virginia. We'll probably have some more signing day coverage as well as kind of it all just the, the fallout uh, from it. Look. Some more deep dives uh, into comparisons uh, to some other schools out there, uh, possibly there. But we'll, we'll see. Definitely an episode next week, one episode next week since it is Christmas, uh, and more than likely be a lot of uh, Orange Bowl talk and getting ready uh, for Virginia. So thanks to Will Salmon once again from The Athletic. Join me here on Gators Breakdown for his insight uh, in, into uh, this early signing period. Uh, I'm the host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, Thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.